Jonathan De Lawrence. Great through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller scored for Stone. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Happy New Year and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. As Stokes players join their fans in getting hammered on New Year's Eve, we reflect back on back-to-back defeats and look ahead to two home games against Watford and Wolves, and we'll probably end up discussing Mark Hughes' job as well. <laughs> Happy New Year, Chris Brammer. Happy New Year, Dave. Uh, did you have a nice, uh, a nice festive period? Yeah, all good. Can't complain. Well, that's all right. Uh, it, it, it's obviously not been that great without the podcast uh, over that time, but I've soldiered on. <laughs> <laughs> and I think feeling the effects of a festive period is a very croaky Tom Thrower. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, S- screaming Bruno over and over again has not done my voice wonders. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he loves Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so since we've been away... It's been a, a bit of classic stoked around the year off, if you like. Um, we'd almost forgotten what uh, four goal thrashings felt like, but uh, two quick fire defeats in away games to Liverpool and Chelsea, 4 1 at Anfield, 4 2 at Stamford Bridge. We equalised twice in that game, but uh, the champions elect kind of uh, showed their quality when it mattered most. We'll just do some uh, quick uh, correspondence uh, relating to the Chelsea game. Some three-word responses, which are kind of they kind of go from um, defensive and quite positive, and then you just get the uh, the hatred occasionally showing through. So, <laughs> uh, three-word summaries: fire when ready, defending <laughs> training required, frustrating predictable Stoke. Learn to defend. Same old crap. Four more goals. Sack in summer. Board of Hughes. P45 in post. But then we've also got, for a bit of balance, we've got We've Been Worse. Character but careless. Not that bad. Actually played well. Stick with them. And onwards and upwards. Um, <laughs> that, 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 it, it, go on, I was going to say, like what I, what I found, like, I, I did a lot of sitting back and just reading everyone's opinions like yesterday and what i don't know if this is just that um that echo chamber that they they speak about where you just surround yourself with opinions and stuff that um that you agree with but what what i what i found with everyone's opinions it's it's so partisan in nature there's no nice middle ground at the moment there's no like oh, do you know what yeah it could be better but uh but we did do well blah blah, blah. it is either no, everything is wrong. We need to destroy everything, or it's you're not a real fan if you think that we should change things. It's so, it's so aggressive in nature, it, and, and maybe that's just the social media bubble that I surround myself with. But maybe this podcast needs to be the sort of the deep breath and a nice cup of tea in the yes. middle of all that. Yeah, maybe. Um, so we'll we'll get on to what Tom thinks later Um, so yeah eight goals conceded in the last two games three goals scored Uh, we'll just kind of quickly reflect on those games then Uh, 27th we played Liverpool uh, 
Sky TV game, and we took the lead very quickly. Um, John Walters with header from Eric Peters' cross. That was nice to see, wasn't it? <laughs> Eric Peters not only providing an accurate cross, but uh, an assist for a goal, which was nice. Um, but yeah, then it all sort of fell apart, really. Uh, Mark Hughes blamed individual errors in this game, Chris, costing us. What, what did you make of that? <laughs> I mean... I mean, he's right in the sense that it was some absolutely shocking mistakes that led to their goal. Um, I mean, that's a very, very easy way to just be like, well, we made some individual mistakes. I I think the overriding issue for me with this game was that as soon as they grabbed their equaliser, and I think I said this to you uh, in Messenger the other day, Dave, as soon as they took their equaliser... you just knew it wasn't going to end with a Stoke rallying comeback. You knew what was going to happen. You knew they were going to capitulate, and you you knew that we were going to be on the end of a drumming. And now, I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether that's because we're just tactically inept or, or what, but um, I... I I think the second half was a po- extremely poor display. Now, if on the on the balance of things, Liverpool are a very, very, very good side. As are Chelsea, as we'll go on to that match. They're a very, very good side. And perhaps it's naive of us to think that we would get something there. But I think, again, it's one of those things where we just showed absolutely no presence after the first half an hour. Um, it was It was a very, very disappointing game more than anything which is weird because it's uh, an away match at Hanfield and we never would expect anything there but I don't know I think the nature of it was was awful I don't I think it's it's too much of a cop-out to say oh it was just individual mistakes because we didn't play well is that a fair reflection (laughs) I think so I think um Individual mistakes explain the goals, but not the performance. If you know what I mean, the the third and the second, third, and fourth, I think, were uh, defensive errors that were no, the first, third, and fourth. Sorry, were defensive errors that were capitulated on for the goal. But in terms of just our general approach to the second half, I don't think we looked anything like as good a team as we should be, in spite of how good they are. I thought there was nowhere near the level of performance required to compete in that game. And so, uh, whilst it's true, individual errors cost us in terms of those goals. I don't think, had we not made those mistakes, that it wouldn't that we would have uh, got a draw anyway. Um, on to Chelsea then. We, we sort of competed, didn't we? Um, <laughs> we scored two goals at Stamford Bridge, and not many teams will do that this season. Um First time Chelsea had con- first time Chelsea had conceded two goals in the league since September, I believe that's what was going around yesterday. Nice, that's a good fact. Uh Peter Crouch <laughs> scored first goal in eighteen months. Um Crouch actually started in both these games and is is this where Peter makes his mark? Tom, uh what what have you made of Crouch's reintroduction to the side? It is where he's gonna make his mark because he scored. It was nice to see him score, and I'm trying to be nice because uh, I think people have been saying on Twitter sort of that the reaction to Crouch's goal has again been that mad of, 
oh my God, he scored a goal. How on earth can you criticise him to, oh my God, <laughs> did you not see how awful he was just because he scored a goal? But yeah, and then Hughes blames individual errors again. And while you were just talking, I thought of a nice little metaphor for it. It's like a, a bag of popcorn. The longer and longer you leave it in the microwave, the more and more the kernels are going to pop. So Mark Hughes's bad tactics against Chelsea specifically, where we played without a left winger for some reason, <laughs> just breeds the conditions where the individual errors become a lot more likely. And that's what happened again. Mark, Mark Hughes needs to uh, just lower the the time on his microwave his microwave <laughs> yeah. of tactics yeah. needs uh, to be better prepared for the popcorn of individual errors <laughs> I, th- I think that makes sense yeah yeah um so yeah that uh those two defeats kind of round off a largely poor 2016 i think it's fair to say uh, a lot of heavy defeats in there um and so at this time like the question of whether Hugh should remain in charges uh, become the real kind of talking point among Stoke fans. And I'm not, you know, in, entirely sure because, as you say, Chris, we do kind of live in these social media bubbles and stuff. It's hard to gauge what the Stoke fans as a whole actually think because I dare say the reactions on Twitter might be different mm-hmm. to those on Facebook or at the ground, for example. Yeah. So... Um, I do I do get the sense that the Hughes out camp is growing in mm-hmm. uh, volume and members. Um, so, <laughs> Tom Thrower, you've been a uh, a vocal. Well, that's ironic. You're not that vocal today. But, <laughs> uh, you you've been a, a vocal uh, Hughes out uh, spokesperson for a while. I guess it's fair to say. A lot of people, I think, are going to be annoyed at you for having these kind of very vocal cues out opinions. They might uh, question your loyalty as a, a fan or whatever. So I'm going to give you the chance to defend your views now, because I know there is still a, a very strong cues in uh, part of the fan base. Uh, I'm going to be Jeremy Paxman, and you're going to be my guest in a brand new feature called Hughes Nights. <laughs> So, I'm just I'm just gonna adopt a, a face like I just hold massive contempt for you, <laughs> Tom. You are uh, in the Hughes out camp. Why? Um, just because it, it, he seems to not have an idea as to what he wants to do with his side. If you sat down with him and said in no less than twenty five words, describe your style of play you wouldn't get an answer because there isn't one. And it's been our worst calendar year since we last sacked a manager. Um, and we're finishing it on a negative 25 goal difference. So, yeah. Well, anyway. what I might say to that, Tom, is that football seasons aren't measured in calendar years. They're measured in, they're measured in actual seasons. And if you look at the seasons under Mark Hughes, we've had three consecutive ninth place finishes. How are you so ungrateful? <laughs> because we've uh, we, we've probably amassed one of the best sides in the mid tables. I'm not sure I could look anywhere outside of sort of the top six and say you've got a better team than us. 
and we spent a lot of money on a lot of players who play in the same positions and can't all play together. So it doesn't seem like Mark knows what he's doing. Well, that's interesting that you uh, say you don't know what he's doing. I think it's uh, fairly clear that we're going to survive this season. I don't think we're in any danger of being relegated. It wouldn't uh, sacking Hughes and appointing someone else, particularly at this stage, destabilise things? I, I, I don't think it would because we're not a side who need a, a massive overhaul. When we're not a relegation threatening team, we don't need to bring in five players to change it. We just need someone who looks at the squad and looks at its strengths and plays to them rather than throws back to players who've been at the club for four or five years now and are sort of squad players, but are sort of being picked every week first on the team sheet. What will it take for you to be one back round to Hughes in? What would he have to do to change your mind on this? I was I was looking at some of the past seasons and it, it looks really similar. In fact, we've got the same points after 19 games as his first season. And uh, I think it was the transfer window in that first season where he really, really brought everything back together, sort of signing Odin Wingy changed the side completely. So if we do that and then push on in January and start playing well again, then I'd probably be more willing to give him till the end of the season. But we can't keep just having bad starts of the year. That can't be the excuse going forward. We can't just go... Oh, it's Hughes. You have a bad start to the season. The games at the start of the season are worth just as much as the games at the end of the season and we just can't be writing them off. But Mark Hughes has shown in the past that, as you say, with the signing of Odin Wingy, he got us clicking towards the end of his first season. Um, is is there not every possibility that he can do this again? There is, but you sort of look at the transfer rumours bouncing around at the minute and it seems to be first-team players who you'd expect would be at the heart of something special seem to be being linked with leaving the club rather than staying. And that's just something that's really worrying that you're going to get to a position where he doesn't maybe doesn't pull it back together, but we lose Bojan or someone, and that's such a fantastic player to lose. I don't know where we'd go from there. And uh, I'll end with the kind of archetypal... Uh, question to anybody who is Hughes out who the hell are you getting in Tom who are you going to get in Um, I've seen sort of someone said please don't sack Hughes until Alan Pardew's in a job and that sounds that sounds yeah that sounds reasonable to me Um, I don't think Mancini or someone like that although they're big names they or Marcelino from Villarreal who were a similar side to us when he took them over. Um, they aren't at the highest level of management anymore because of failings, especially in Mancini's case, sort of Inter Milan, he really, really didn't do very well at. So coming to someone like Stoke, who have vast resources, I don't think he'd see that as a step down, really. OK, uh, Tom, thank you very much uh, for being a guest on the first ever Hughes Night uh, we'll just have an email now from <laughs> Lee Hawthorne from Duck Magazine. It says, Evening chaps, Happy New Year. I think Mark Hughes has got himself into a muddle. 
The squad is obviously unbalanced and underachieving. We lack the pace needed to allow compact defending with a threat on the break, so we try to be expansive instead. It's great at times. Rather we do not I'd rather we do that than sit back like Palace today or Borough yesterday. When it fails, well, four goals conceded is always painful, but yesterday was no disaster in my eyes. Everton were humiliated there and we pushed them all the way. I have faith. January could be a big month, of course, but he has proven in 2014 and 2015 that he can be an excellent Stoke City manager at this level. Only one other man can make that claim, and that's ancient history to me. One disappointing year after two really good ones with little risk of relegation. Why get knickers into twists? Use the transfer window well, tinker less, and keep being positive, sparky lad. Let's hope some of the Christmas online energy finds its way into the stands on Tuesday. Imagine the atmosphere. Some uh, good points being raised there, Chris. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm interested in the, in this point about the about Mark Hughes. He's he's shown it before that he can he can rescue things, but is is that good enough? Being able to rescue yourself after a bad start. I think I think that completely depends on where we where we finish. If it's a case of he. I mean, if we go on in the second half of this season now and we push on up the table and we finish, um, I don't know, mid-table higher than ninth, then many people will consider this season a success, much as they did that first season under Mark Hughes. Um, I agree that I think this is a big window because we've got several players who won't won't be here in January. We've we spoke... Previously, about uh, Wilfred Bonney, he's off to the African Cup of Nations. He's probably off to China afterwards. We're linked again with Berahino, um, who I, I see mixed opinions of. Personally, I think he is that more pace-driven player who we would probably need. Um, it's quite clear that Mark Hughes has no faith in his strikers. And so that is a position that he's going to target. For me, for me personally, it, it, it's a re- it's a real a difficult one. I my, my head thinks that I don't think Mark Hughes can turn this around, but I I want to give him the opportunity because I mean as as Lee said there, there's some really really good points. If we turn this around in the second half of the season, this first half will be all but forgotten I'm drawn back to that first season under Mark Hughes where we were all for getting rid of him we were in the relegation spot and then we beat Man United and pushed on up the table and finished in ninth place I think anything can happen and um, it's certainly going to be an interesting window one thing I do want to point out is that um, I did a bit of a, a, a survey this morning Granted, it was on Twitter, but I did try and get it out to people who, I you know, are outside of my bubble. Um, and I so I've asked I asked four questions over the period of today. Uh, I asked Stoke fans, "Are you happy with football at the moment?" In which seventy nine percent said no, which is I think fair enough. It'll be interesting to see what happens if we you know we win the next two games. Maybe that would change. The most interesting one I think is where do you think we will finish this season? The majority, 57%, said that we will finish in the bottom half of the table. Which then led me on to saying, do you think Mark Hughes will still be here next season? 59% said yes. 
But then I've, I, I, I asked mm. this evening if if you think that we are going to finish at the bottom in the bottom half, and Hugh stays on, will you be happy about that? At which fifty eight percent said no, which is a really interesting thing that the majority of Stoke fans think Hughes will stay on, but also think that we're going to underachieve and they won't be happy if he stays on. It's just a re- <laughs> it's a really really interesting thing. I mean. I, I'm not sure I'm at the extreme level that Tom is yet. I, I get very, very frustrated on match days, and I, I don't like what I'm seeing. I am willing to give him this window and the end of the season because I don't think we are going to go down. I think there are a lot of worse teams in this division, and I think that one poor season out of four, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I wouldn't be happy about it, but bloody hell it's football and not everything goes everyone's way every year we can't be i i can accept that maybe you know we're not at our best all the time i'll be disappointed if that is the case but i'm i i i I do think that if we got rid of mark hughes now that's probably more turbulence than peter coates is willing to accept okay uh that yeah you raised some good points there um yeah very interesting how um a lot of us aren't, aren't happy at the moment, but don't expect him to go, even if we finish in the bottom half. Um, outside of this Hughes in, Hughes out debate then, uh, what do you think we need to do, either in the January transfer window or on the pitch, to kind of, uh, you know, get our mojo back, for, for want of a better word. We, 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 see, we seem in need of a spark. So, uh, Tom, I'll throw this open to you. What, changes on the pitch would you like to see happen? Um, I think the three four three system, as much as it has its benefits and has worked, seems to have got crowded out with players who necessarily don't fit in it. Shawcross is place you, you really have to question. So probably a switch back to the four two three one and just to include the, the our star players to put Bojan in there and Trust him because at times he has looked just this time last year we were petrified of losing him to Man United and Liverpool. Uh, and since then he's been dropped from the squad and isn't getting picked. But when he does play, yesterday he came on and he was vital to that crouch goal. Um, and then in the transfer market, someone like Berahino, although he hasn't played a lot of football, it's really similar to that odd and wingy transfer of a, a pacey yeah. goal-scoring striker yeah. who would revitalise the attack. And I think, yeah, that would be important. And who has has a point to prove. It, it's very similar to the odd and wingy transfer in that odd and wingy came here after being kind of shut out of it, the Cardiff side um, and really did, like, you know, not good environment for him, played played really well. You can see something similar happening with Berahino, or at least you hope you can see that, because it's a very, very similar situation. Yeah, uh, we're sort of all hoping it get it gets better soon. Um, <laughs> well, with the transfer window now open, then um, a lot of speculation. Uh, two stories about maybe potential departures that kind of circulated today regarding Bojan and Glenn Johnson. Uh, both kind of, I don't know how much substance there is in either of them. 
Uh, one suggesting that Slavin Bilic wants to re-sign Glenn Johnson for West Ham United uh, for potentially as low as £1 million. Um, and also that Middlesbrough are interested in Bojan. Uh, how how do we uh, how do we feel about these? Because I imagine uh, both of you feel like uh, you don't want either players to leave. But do for for you do these players have uh, price tags that we we need to kind of accept that we can get you know good money for them? Johnson does. I think as much as he's a very important player, if you look at a full-back there, especially as Johnson is, he's quite reliant on his pace at times. Um, there'll be a point where he will just fall off, I imagine. And getting a fee in now, although £1 million seems ridiculously low, even with his short length of contract left, um, Seems like something that wouldn't be too stupid if we could replace him with genuine quality, uh, which is the bit that worries me a bit, but then hopefully it goes okay. But if Bojan leaves, I will sob. I, I will be in tears. Yep. There is, I, 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 last night in, in, a, in a drunken stupor, I found myself scrolling through photos of him on Google Images. Oh, God. Holding back tears. <laughs> Oh God! What a good New Year's Eve you had. <laughs> Dear me. But yeah, please oh, don't help Ojo Mark. Please. Well, he listens to the podcast clearly. Yeah, he does. Oh gosh. I, I, you know, do you know what? I, I completely agree. I, I think unless they're planning on giving Glenn Johnson a year extension to his contract, um, I think it's almost worth listening to what West Ham want to pay. That is, uh, if we are then looking at a good quality replacement. I don't want Glenn Johnson to go, so then Phil Bardsley comes in and is our first choice right back. Not any uh, disrespect to Phil Bardsley, but then it leaves us very, very short in that position. Um, But with six months left on his contract, um, it, it might be worth listening to West Ham. I wouldn't want him to go. I think he's a very, very good player, but it's a thing where if, if West Ham are willing to pay silly money for Glenn Johnson, you kind of... it make, it Unfortunately, it makes business sense more than it does footballing sense. Bojan, I don't want him to go at all. Uh, I think... I mean, he was linked with Valencia, wasn't he, a few weeks back, and that is not going to be... Um, not going to be a good place for him. I don't think Middlesbrough is going to be a good place for him. I want him to play in our team, but <laughs> I just I, I I I don't know whether I'm just or Stoke fans in general are not attached to reality of what Mark Hughes sees because we're all screaming for him and they're not playing him. So either there's something happening in back uh, stage backstage. I don't know if you use that in football. Um, that that we don't know or. Or what? It, it, it's very, very frustrating. Um, there's some. I think there's some interesting moves that will happen this window, though, because I mean, Mark Munez has been linked away as well, hasn't he? And I, I would hate to see him go, but it, it probably it's probably going to happen. And um, I've kind of resigned myself to losing the cheeriest man in the in the team, and having him and having him replaced. By a returning Philip Volscheid who's fallen out with everyone in Wolfsburg. So, 
That's interesting. I don't know if Moneyeza will go in January at least because uh, I, I think it's clear that Hughes doesn't really rate Walshide that highly and uh, we really lack cover at centre-half, especially if we are going to be persisting with three at the back. I think Moneyeza, uh, touch wood, still part of his plans, but it uh, could be wrong. I don't I don't really know uh, if we can gauge what Mark Hughes is thinking at the moment with regards to selling players because uh, there was rumours that Bojan would be off to Valencia but then Mark Hughes has come out and said he always still very much part of his plans <laughs> um, Chris you're laughing at that but yeah but uh, I, I liked I, it because I he, he came out and said it and then didn't play him and yeah <laughs> it's just that's very true um <sighs> I just I threw this open to Twitter. Like, what players would you like to see us sign? Um, Sam the Lost said uh, Danny Welbeck, potentially very interesting signing if we if we can uh, afford him. That that would probably no doubt be a loan. I'm guessing. But uh, Lee Hawthorne again says someone who can make a no- uh, get us making a noise in the stand and a fast mobile centre forward. Might Danny Welbeck be that guy? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lucian Finch says a DM just get a DM and uh, Dave Raystoke says we need to sign new doctors <laughs> that, that was actually a, a positive point from the festive period which you haven't touched on yet that Ibrahim Afalai is back uh, it was great to see him come on against Liverpool and very surprising when he started against Chelsea mm. just a few days later um, yeah. I think I, I'm personally very pleased about that because I think he's a, a really good player. Often I think he should be playing uh, at number 10, perhaps behind Bojan, as he did in that game against Man City. But he, he has qualities that suit playing a more withdrawn role. It's just so annoying with our midfield at the moment. It's just that we've got Afalai back, Imbula, Whelan, Cam, uh, Cameron's injured, but uh, Cameron, when he comes back, um, Joe Allen, uh, who else have we got? Charlie Adam. <laughs> We've got all these players. And I can't tell you what our best midfield is. I don't think Mark Hughes can. And we just seem to just change it from one game to the next. We, we have no consistency in the middle. Uh, and despite having signed uh, Imbula and Allen for big money, we still need defensive midfielder. We still haven't replaced Stephen and Zonzi. It's just one um, it's one big mess on midfield at the moment. It's got some unbelievably talented players in there, but I just don't know what the best combination of them is. It might be Adam and Whelan for all I know, but yeah, it's just annoying. Something to take from the Chelsea match, the, the, one of the real positives that I saw in quite a lot of negatives um, was... Joe Allen played a lot more of a withdrawn role and looked like his number seven counterpart on Chelsea's side, Mr Kante. He just sort of cleaned up the midfield, especially in the first 30 minutes where Stoke were probably at their best. Um, He just made, I think he made four tackles, four interceptions. No one else got near that on the Stoke side. And I know he's had his goal-scoring moments and... I've suggested that those aren't from very far away from the goal, but that's another argument. I think it may be worth giving him a, a bit of time in that role he plays for Wales, just a bit more withdrawn, holding, 
Maybe. Okay. Um, on that sort of note, then, we've got two games coming up. Watford midweek. So by the time you listen to this podcast, we may have already played them. We may have not. Um, and Wolves in the FA Cup on Saturday. What team would you like to see play against Watford? Because this is the big game, really, the, the Watford game. I've just seen them play at home to Spurs today and they were garbage. I think Watford somehow are 12th in the league. This mob are above us and they were just absolutely dreadful in pretty much all departments. Um, I I really fancy us for this one, which is a dangerous thing to say because of how poor we've been lately. But I think if we don't win this one, I think it could be a really bad situation for Mark Hughes because this team is among the worst in the division. Maybe not as bad as Hull or Sunderland, but yeah, these are your bread and butter games when you're a Premier League side. So, Chris, uh, who do you play up front for starters? Oh, um, okay. I think for me, I would play. Oh, see, it's a difficult one. I want to play Bojan up front, um, and I think that that's what I want to see. I want to see Bojan up front with Afalai in behind, as you said, Dave. Um, what I can see happening is that Peter Crouch plays up front, uh, much in a similar lineup to as we saw against Chelsea. Um, I want Bojan to play up front. Short answer. And Tom, you're kind of the founder of the False Nine Awareness Month uh, hashtag. How did that work out for you? Uh, it was so popular that we've decided to make 2017 False Nine Awareness Year. Um, <laughs> mainly uh. because I want to moan about not playing the False Nine more. But yeah, the the False Nine with Afback is my option as well. Yeah. Okay, so you'd have Afale behind Bojan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a throwback to that uh, glorious victory over Man City. So presumably you want um, Shakiri and Anatovic on the wings. We're in agreement. Yep. 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 Um, well, had Peter Crouch scored against Chelsea. You know. <laughs> Do yeah? Do we think Crouch will start? That's the, he. Uh, he will. He, yeah, he's, he he's going to start. He's going to start. And and I think that Watford are going to come and they're going to defend deep. And so maybe Crouch playing up front makes sense. Personally, I would prefer again Bojan. I think we're going to need to pass our way through this team. Um. But oh well, Crouch is going to play. Is it not just Everton all over again, though? We're going to play Crouch up front because he scored a goal and it's not going to work and we're going to waste the game. <sighs> yeah, that might, that might well be the case. Um, and again, I mentioned I don't know who our central midfielders are at the moment, so I'm going to leave that up to you guys. <laughs> uh, it, for me, it's Joe Allen and Mr. Twitter himself, Gianelli Mbula. Okay, so uh, I think a lot of people would argue that that's a very attacking yep. team and doesn't have uh, the defensive uh, capabilities in midfield to um, to play a Premier League game. Would would you disagree with that? Um, 
Yes. Simply because we have to win the game. And so I want as much creativity as possible. And I think Joe Allen can do the job down there. I mean, it, it, again, it, it brings us back to that whole point. If you don't play one of those two, presumably you're dropping one for for Glenn Whelan. And who do you drop? Do you drop Afalai, Imbula, Allen? Out of them, I, I assume Imbula gets dropped. So if, if we're predicting the Mark Hughes lineup, it's not going to be... Whelan's going to be in that midfield. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're predicting a Mark Hughes lineup, you're on a hide in, into nothing, really, because uh, me, me and my dad uh, predicted the Mark Hughes lineup for the Chelsea game. I got nine out of 11 right, he got six out of 11 right. <laughs> so it, ju- it just shows you how uh, how kind of slapdash we are at the moment <laughs> yeah. in terms of picking yeah. uh, 11 for the same uh, number of games. Um, I think uh, we've been a largely uh, largely depressing podcast so far. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless, um, let's uh, let's try and inject some positivity with a patented David Cowlishaw Stoke City big fat quiz of the year. <laughs> Are we excited? Um, oh, yeah, hundred percent. Are you going to try a bit harder this time, Chris? Because you nope. didn't get a question right nope. in the Christmas quiz. <laughs> I'm well. I, I'm going. To, I'm going to be uh, the Noel Fielding of this big uh, fat quiz of the year, and just give you obscure answers. Well, uh, if you wondered what Tom was talking about, then he was referring to a quiz we did do uh, for the Christmas special. But I cut it out of the final edit because it was so uh, so chaotic, so one-sided. I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't bear to put it in. But if you uh, if if you pay a two ninety nine a two pound ninety nine a month subscription, we can give you uh, our crap content. Just yeah, all, all the wastage from this podcast will will uh, will send directly to you for a nominal fee. Um, no, not really. Would be that cruel. Um, so, Chris, yes, heads or tails. Uh, I would like to go heads, please. Chris has gone heads. Do you even have a coin, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) Right, that'll do. (laughs) Okay, you've gone heads. Yep. It's heads. Chris, you're going first. Come on. There's there's three questions each, and then a sort of lightning round at the end. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Right. First question. There's three options for all the uh, answers. Play along at home. Question one. <laughs> oh, no. Hang uh, on, I've lost my headphone. <laughs> I can't miss the question. Go on. Question one. Yep. How many goals did Stoke concede in 2016? Was it 64, 66, or 68? I think it was 68. You are correct. Chris takes an early lead. Go on. Right, Tom, you've, you've got a chance to uh, level things up here. Question two. In what year did Stoke last beat Watford at home in the league? Was it 2015, 2007 or 2004? Ooh. Oh, um, that is hard. It wasn't 2015 because we got... Spanked. Um, <laughs> 2007, I'm going to go for. 
He's gone for 2007. And that's incorrect. Oh. It was 2004. Oh. I'm such a plastic. <laughs> yeah. Probably supporting Man United then, didn't you? <laughs> right. Chris, mm-hmm. your question is on that same game. Oh, in Stoke's last league win over Watford in 2004, who scored a brace for Stoke in a 3-1 victory? Adi Akinbayi, Peter Herkstra, or Gifton Noel Williams? I want to say Gifton Noel Williams. He's gone for Gifton Noel Williams, the former Watford player. Gifton did score in that game, it but Adi Akinbayi scored the brace. Ah. Oh, you've, you've missed a chance to take a 2-0 lead there. Sorry. And, and Tom, you have a chance of an equaliser here. Question four. Stoke faced Wolves at home in the FA Cup this weekend. Who was the last team to play in the FA Cup at Stoke? Was it Wrexham, Doncaster or Leicester City? Um, Wrexham. Mm-hmm. He's saying Wrexham, and he's correct. Yes, it's yes. one all. Yeah, that was a great game, wasn't it? <laughs> Question five relates to that classic Wrexham fixture. Okay, Chris. Yes. In that Wrexham game, Stephen Ireland came on to score a brace in the eighty-eighth and ninety-fourth minute. Mm. Who scored our other goal that day? Peter Crouch, Jonathan Walters, or Marco Arnautovic? I think it's Walters. He's gone for Johnny Walters. And he's wrong. It's Marco Arnautovic. Really? It oh, remains God, I one can't all. remember that. Arnautovic equalised for Stoke in the 80th minute. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> we, like, woke up for the final 10 minutes of that game. <laughs> now. Oh, it's all gone wrong. It's still one all. You can win it with this question, Tom. Question six. Stoke have conceded four goals on eight separate occasions in 2016. In those eight games, how many different players achieved braces? <laughs> six, six players, seven players, or eight players? Jesus. <laughs> uh, uh, right, I can just guess or I can pretend right. I'm trying to work it out. Right. Uh, can I ask for the purposes of the question that comes after this not to do your thinking out loud? <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> That's a six, seven, or eight. I'm going to go six. He's gone for six. He's incorrect. Eight different Ooh. players scored braces oh in those God. eight games. Bloody hell. It's one all, which That's I'm very excited about mad. because it goes to the lightning round. Now, we go. chaps, you've just heard there that eight different players scored braces against Stoke in 2016 in games in which we lost by four goals or conceded four goals. But in total, in 2016, ten different players scored braces against Stoke. I would like, starting oh, with Chris, yep. to, for you to name as many of those as you can. Just one at a time. Chris has a go. Tom has a go. Chris has a go. Tom has a go. And and if you get one wrong, just gets passed on until okay. we get all ten. Right. Okay. okay. Chris. Yes. Start us off, please. Name one of the ten players to score a brace against Stoke in 2016. I'm going to go with Sergio Aguero. 
Sergio Aguero is correct. I'm going to stick with Man City and go Nolito. Ah, Nolito good. is correct. That's a very it's good one. All. I'm going to go and say Harry Kane. Harry Kane is correct. It's two on to Chris. I'm going to stick with Tottenham again this time and go Hyun Ming Sun. If that's Sun. right in saying it. Yeah. He is correct. Three all now. There are six players left who have scored braces against Stoke this season. Chris. Now I'm kind of stuck at this point now. Um, Who scored for... Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say, it's probably wrong, Christian Eriksen. He's saying Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen is a wrong answer. Ooh. Tom, you have a chance to take a lead here. Oh, he's... he's... William. William. As as recent as New Year's Eve, Chris. You forgot about William. Yesterday. I I did, I did. (laughs) It's 3-2. How can I forget about William? In the shootout, 4-3 overall. Oof. Bloody hell. Um, Do you have any ideas? uh, I'm trying to think of who we've lost goals by. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think who else has beaten us in this year. Who beat us by four goals. Um, I can't think. Diego Costa. He's gone for Diego Costa. And that's also a wrong answer. Oh, it's, it's it's all over, mate. It's all oh, over. Did, Go on. did Deli Ali do it? Deli oh, Ali scored. Was... It's a bit of a humiliation now. It's now 5 3 to Tom. <laughs> That's uh, fine. You, you can still rescue it. There's four players left who've scored braces against Stoke this calendar year. I feel like I'm, I'm already defeated, if I'm I'll, honest. I'll give you a helping hand. You don't? Uh, okay. None of them were this season. Okay. Um, I'm trying. Right, that means I have to go back some time to. I don't know. I uh, see. My my the only problem I've got is all I can think about is the Blackburn game, and that wasn't in the league. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I don't know. Uh, Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard is also wrong. Uh, after yeah, this one, Tom, I'll give you the clubs of these players and see if we can get, <laughs> get this exhaustive <laughs> list. Tom, uh, with the chance to make it 6-3. Um, did Ian Acho do it last Ian season? Ian Acho did do it last season. Get He's out. on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Without my knowing. But I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Doing very well. So there's three players left. Uh, Go on. Give us give us a help, because otherwise this will fall on its face when people are listening to it. How about we just, we just declare that uh, Tom has won 6-3. Of course he has. Of course there's he has. three players left. First of uh, which is a Liverpool player. Mr. Sturridge. Yeah. <laughs> Coutinho. Coutinho. For me, though. Clue, he's not that good. Oh. James no. Milner. Jordan Anderson. 
Thibaut Kavigi has scored a brace against Stoke this season. Really? Yeah, in, in the four, uh, not the most recent one. From the, the other, last, in the one before that. Oh God! Uh, see how see how these depressing memories we've just erased. Two other players scored against Stoke this season, and they didn't come in games where we conceded four goals. One of them plays for Southampton. Ah. One of them plays for Crystal Palace. Pella for Southampton. Got the brace for Southampton. Um, he scored a brace for Palace in their two-one win over Stoke earlier in 2016. Was, it was in the, the cup? league game where Charlie Adam, I think, took the lead for us. Good old, good old Charlie, eh? What a lad. Um, Jason no. Punchin. <laughs> God, you are plastic. Oh, shall I put you out of your misery? <laughs> was, no, yeah. It was Dwight Gale. Oh, okay. <laughs> there Dwight you have it, Gale. folks. The... I, don't, I don't pay attention to who other, <laughs> other teams. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care who scores the goals. It just hurts when they go in the net. Yeah, so just for pos- posterity then, the 10 players to have scored braces against Stoke in 2016... Ten players score braces. Dwight, Dwight Gale. Deli Ali, Harry Kane, Hoi Min Song, Sergio Aguero, Nolito, Divock Origi, Willian, Kelechi Inacho, Graziano Pele and Dwight Gale. Oh. Dwight Gale. So, yeah. You just I, need to stop playing Man City and Tottenham. Yeah. That's a comprehensive <laughs> win for Tom in the Stoke City Big Fat Quiz of the Year. But... But but we're all losers <laughs> in the end. <laughs> yeah, and on that note, I think it's time to end. I'll just uh, wrap up by saying we are on Facebook now. Uh, please uh, like us on Facebook because we plan to drop Facebook only <laughs> content uh, this year. It's going to be very <laughs> exciting. Uh, we've got 250 likes so far, but obviously we want to uh, expand our reach and all that stuff. So please give us a like on there as well as. Uh, uh, following us on Twitter it's at Wizards of Drivel on Twitter and just type in Wizards of Drivel on Facebook if you want to email the show it's Wizards of Drivel podcast at gmail.com and there'll be a podcast out after the Wolves FA Cup game which will look back on that game and the Watford game midweek thank you very much for joining us here's to a better 2017 for Stoke City Chris thank you very much thank you Dave Get better soon, yeah? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Go on, Stoke. Oh, my mic.